0: All right. Welcome to the Spring Office Hours podcast, episode 42, titled Virtual Threads. I'm your host, Dan Vega, Spring Developer Advocate at VMware. Alongside me, as always, is my friend and co-worker, Deshaun Carter. Deshaun, how are you doing today?
1: I'm here. Things are great. Uh, that's all I can say. Just things are, are moving in the right direction. It's a great time to be a Spring Developer.
0: It really is. Um, we have a lot to get to today. We got a, a lot. We have some show notes here that we use. We have a lot to talk about today. Um, I think one thing I want to address before we kind of jump into the show today is, I've gotten a question. Uh, hey, I, I'm looking for the live stream of this podcast. Where is it? the The reason I'm getting this question a lot is because we used to broadcast this live stream to like 20 different channels. Right? It was so much. Like fun. We were. We were on so many platforms and so many different channels. And so it was easier to find us, but it was also confusing, right? Because you never really understood where to tell people to go. So right now we are um, we are broadcasting this on YouTube to the Spring Developer YouTube channel, which you can find at Spring Source Dev. So just look for Spring Developer. You can find it. Follow follow that YouTube channel. This is where uh, we put all of our kind of spring content. Uh, This is the show, and that is being broadcast to that channel. So you you could find the archives there, but you can also find the archives over at springofficehours.io if you're interested.
1: Hello, Gennady, Anbu, Solitary Turian, and a new from Istanbul. I think it's new, uh, or I think they are new, Mikhail from Istanbul. Welcome. Welcome to the show.
0: Cool. So what have you been up to, Deshaun? We haven't. We actually, the last. Couple of weeks we weren't on. We had to skip last week because uh, we were both tied up, and then two weeks ago, uh, the great Nate Shuda stepped in for you uh, as you were on vacation. So it's been a little while. What's been going yeah. on with you?
1: Uh, I am. I'm playing with this thing called Kubernetes. Oh, heard uh, of it? So I'm yep. doing a lot of spring, and I'm. I'm it's gonna be big. I hear. I've got one, two, three, four, five. I've got five different Kubernetes clusters in my home lab uh, that I'm just. Playing around, and I'm I'm running Spring on. Uh, I did a stream with Mark Fines last week on nice. GitOps with Tap. So just kind of yeah, different ways that we can deploy Kubernetes, different ways that we can run Spring workloads on them. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm dibble dabbling a little bit, and then I've been doing a lot of Spring Shell. So I have my handful of Spring Shell projects that I've been doing. I like it because. I understand Spring. I don't have to do Bash anymore. So I have the one that I use for my uh, my initializer plus plus, I call it, for yep. projects that I do out of start.spring.io. I also have one that I use for the show, my Spring Office Hours helper that yep. does some of the things that we do to get ready for the show. And it's just been fun uh, taking the latest and greatest. And then on top of that, I'm working with Mark Pollack on the new experimental project called Spring CLI. So, cool. lots of stuff. I've been very active and having lots of fun.
0: Um, for those who don't know about the Spring Seal, I, I actually had a chance to sit down probably sometime last year with Mark and talk about this project. Do you want to just kind of give it a high level overview what what, what it is and maybe where it's at um, as far as the ecosystem goes?
1: There, there's so much to it. You know, the Spring ecosystem is massive, mm-hmm. and and it's a Spring Shell uh, program. But the idea is it's going to be a tool that we can use to help in and around all of our Spring projects. Uh, so some of the things are uh, how to create a new project, how to add a dependency from the CLI. So instead of doing the go to start.spring.io, do the generator and explore it and copy the copy. block that I need, <laughs> as we could do those things from the CLI. And then yeah. if you... Uh, you know, we have these Spring Cloud Gateway, for example, or Spring Cloud Dataflow. Some of these products where you might have some features that get added to, to add a filter, uh, add a route, and have it automatically update your configuration. Or another kind thing, like
0: a recipe, right? Yeah, Maybe. it's got
1: it's got these recipes. Oh, that's yeah. another thing that it can actually run open rewrite recipes. Nice. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot. It's still trying to figure yeah. out, you know, what it's going to be when it grows up. It's still experimental. But it's there's so much there right now. It's it's a really fun project.
0: So from from what I remember of it and, and the things that I've gonna go, gone through with it, you can think of like start.spring.io as a way to bootstrap an application. That is really not about code generation. That is giving you a starting point in your spring journey. Whereas the spring CLI, if done right and we can add stuff to it and we have all these templates and recipes. This is really about like the next step and how to generate maybe say um, some code for like a REST API or a GraphQL API or like you said from the JavaScript world. Hey, I want to add this dependency. I npm uh, install dependency, whatever that is. Um, those are the, the the types of problems it's trying to solve. Correct?
1: Yeah. So if you're familiar with Spring IO and the and the docs, uh, you might be familiar with some of the getting started guides. Yeah. So one of the features that it has available now is this way of not just generating a project, but also generating a project with some getting started context. Yeah, so You actually have a working example, not just the frame and the dependencies, but an actual mm-hmm. working endpoint, for example, for a Spring MVC app.
0: Yeah, so I could see that being used for beginners, for like, hey, I want to I want to kick up a, a, a REST API, but also inside of organizations, like, hey, we build a lot of the same apps that kind of look like this. Um, and that they're not just starting. They have like all of these dependencies and all of these configurations that they they might follow some kind of guide, right?
1: We have this app accelerator concept, uh, but, yep. which was also oh, right, right. kind of yep. created by uh, Mark Pollock. Uh, yep. But my head's been racing around this topic. The idea—I'll take a step back. The initializer uh, startosprint.io, You can go and fork that project. You can. You can use it however you want. You can put in your own dependencies. You can have yeah. your own maps. You can put your own versions. Uh, you can add stuff to it, etc. Uh, I was doing that for a long time. I worked with customers that were doing that. And, but that's where my Initializer++ plus plus came from. There was a handful yeah. of things that yeah. I was doing regularly that I didn't want to fork the Initializer project in order to get done. Mm-hmm. So I used this CLI and Spring Shell mm-hmm. and the native image made it so I could have this kind of first-class experience. Well, now... The Spring ecosystem is pretty massive. And yeah. there's there's some first class participants in the ecosystem that are actually managed outside of the Spring team. So one of the other things that the Spring CLI is doing is it it opens itself up to other projects, being able to integrate. So I could say, hey, you know, Spring CLI, I would like to add some support for that third party project. Yep. And that third-party project provides their getting started, their catalog of recipes. That's awesome. Use their recipes, all part of this kind of first-class experience. Yeah. A way to yeah expand and, and open up. And there's other frameworks and other projects that have similar experiences. Yeah. Uh, and this one is just kind of finding which ones we're going to use, which ones we're going to adopt. But it's really exciting.
0: Cool, love it. We got a comment here. It says CLI is love. Yes. That's true. I love working with CLIs because again, it's it goes back to I don't know about you, but one of the reasons I got into like programming is just being able to like build stuff for myself. Like <laughs> I need to like I need to automate this <clears throat> thing, and I, I could just build something for myself, and and that is truly like for you. You know, it could be for others, but like, hey, this is a thing that runs on my computer and does what I tell it to do. <laughs> So yeah, that's awesome. a big,
1: that's a big part, you know,
0: yep.
1: uh, yesterday uh, and Friday, I spent quite a bit of time on this helper, uh, for our show, uh, just mm-hmm. the idea like, Hey, it's not complex, but it's done and it's, and I made this. And yeah. as I was doing that, I got to explore, I got to grab the latest versions of the other projects. I spent time reading the documentation, reading the release notes and the change logs for all these projects that have been released over the last few weeks. And that's mm-hmm. just exciting. I get excited yeah. over those kind of things.
0: Cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about what's going on this week and next week. I want to start with uh, actually last week. So I was in Pittsburgh last week, Uh, had some fun in Pittsburgh, was there for just a kind of short trip. I was able to have dinner with Cora and our boss, Tasha, uh, which was really great at this really great Japanese restaurant. They had some really fancy uh, rolls there. I can't remember the name of it now. I wish I did, Um, but that was a really good time. I was there yeah, it was sushi. It was it's like hand sushi. rolls, though. What is it?
1: It's called sushi. <laughs>
0: no, no. Sushi, I remember, just not the name of the place. <laughs> um, but I was in town for two really exciting um, events. One was I gave a talk at FedEx Ground. Their headquarters is there in uh, Pittsburgh. And I gave a talk on Spring Boot 3 and beyond. Uh, so this was a lot of fun. We talked about... like. All the new things in Spring Boot 3, 3.1, and guess what's coming in 3.2. So we talked about a lot about something that we're going to talk later today on Project Loom and Virtual Threads. One of the things that came out of that, though, which was interesting, was I got a lot of really good feedback on HTTP interface clients. So I got some good questions on that, um, which prompted me to create a video yesterday So I created actually two. One is up right now. One is on. Hey, if I'm using an HTTP interface, how do I send headers along with the requests? So I showed an example of how to send a header through one request or through like every single request. Um, And then what I decided to do is I put together a video on like, hey, let's build out a full CRUD REST API in one service then create another service and call each of those methods using that interface client because i think a lot of the examples that i've done and that that i see in the in in the community are just like one or two of the the methods i wanted to see like a full crud example of it so i put that together so that should be coming out soon then the next day we had a chance to we had a booth at PNC developer days so PNC has their own developer conference which is awesome to see uh, if you if you check out my newsletter, you can see some pictures from there. But they had they rented out the space in the um, uh, what was it the Playhouse? It was the Pittsburgh Playhouse. It was really cool there. They had a ton of developers there. They they said anywhere from eight hundred to a thousand in person. And then they had a whole bunch um, offsite, like on Zoom or you know virtually. Um, but we had a booth there, and it was a chance to kind of talk to uh, everybody at PNC about what VMware Tanzu does. Uh, Some of our offerings, uh, like Taz, Cora was giving some really amazing demos on Taz, showing how that works, and I got a chance to talk to, um, there were a lot of interns there, so a lot of um, younger developers, just kind of very first job, didn't, didn't know a whole lot about Spring or Tanzu, so they asked a lot of questions about Spring, and I thought that was interesting because I'm used to getting like beginner questions, but these were like even before beginner questions. So (laughs) I had a lot of fun talking to people about like what spring is, um, you know, how it might benefit them in their career. So that was cool. So yeah, having a lot of fun on the road. We're continuing the road show next week in your neck of the woods. What are we doing next week?
1: Next week is KCDC, the Kansas City Developers Conference.
0: Oh, that's That's gonna gonna be exciting. We're doing a workshop. Yeah, so we're 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 doing a workshop uh, getting started with Spring. Uh, this is the kind of second iteration of this particular workshop that we're doing. We learned a lot from the first one, as we were talking about before the show. Uh, we have some good plans to kind of revamp that and and kind of fix some things that we weren't happy with last time. But Here's the thing: that was five months ago. Yeah, <laughs> like
1: forever ago.
0: I know. I know. And
1: there's so much stuff has has come since then. There's so oh. many new releases.
0: Oh, there's Glenn. If anybody knows what is spring, it's Glenn. Maybe we can just like go play golf or something and let Glenn teach this workshop. That would probably be easier. <laughs> Glenn, Glenn, are you going to be at KCDC? That would be so All exciting. Right. I hope so. That'd be awesome. Um, so yeah, so um, this is going to be fun. We're putting together the the final touches on that workshop for next week. I'm also doing a talk on what's new in Spring Boot 3. So similar one that I gave to FedEx, only probably a little bit more concise. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and most importantly, we are going to get some
1: barbecue. There, there will be barbecue.
0: Oh, I cannot wait for there barbecue. Barbecue, barbecue. I the last time I was in Texas for work, uh, I was down there for a customer meeting. We were supposed to go out for barbecue, didn't get any barbecue, and then I panicked and I got barbecue at the airport because I'm like, I gotta have barbecue in Texas. And it wasn't good. I mean, I what I don't know what I it was expected. Kansas City. I, I mean, know.
1: I'm I'm I am i am i am a little bit biased.
0: Yeah. I know, I know. I that whatever place we went to last year was amazing. So the last year was my first time in Kansas City and my first time at KCDC and Ah, oh, it was just a great conference, a whole lot of fun. I, I just can't wait to be back there.
1: So, for the speakers' dinner, we went to barbecue, and then we also went to barbecue at my second favorite place.
0: Your second sure favorite place, then? Because remember, I missed the speaker dinner last oh, week yes. last year because of plane malfunctions and weather, yes. and I didn't get into Kansas City till like one a.m. that day. Ah, oh, it was terrible, but I made it, so that's a big thing.
1: Hello, Lucky, from Zimbabwe. Thank you for joining. Thomas, thank you so much. Hey, Thomas.
0: Cool. So that's what's happening there. Um, I think what I'll do now is I'm going to share my screen. We have some things to go through before we get into today's topic. So let me share my screen. The first thing I want to talk about, uh, as I've been doing the last few weeks, is Spring One at VMware Explore. This is happening August 21st through the 24th in Las Vegas. Uh, You can go ahead and register now for Spring One. What I want to talk about today is the content agenda has been released. So if you go down here, you can see this button, View Agenda. You can actually go through and start to look at all of the sessions that are going to be available at Spring 1. So if you don't know, VMware Explorer is going to be kind of this massive conference. Uh, Spring 1 is happening on day zero of the conference. Because day zero, because we're engineers and we start counting from zero, right? Um, so yeah, so... Day zero is all spring content. And so if you want to check out, you know, all the content that's going to be available there, I can finally, uh, well, actually, I said on the last show with Nate, we were able to announce our talk. So I'm doing a talk with Nate Shuda on spring recipes. And I'm also able to announce now that I am doing a talk on GraphQL. So spring for GraphQL, we'll talk about, um, you know, making the move to GraphQL and why you might want to do that. Uh, so I'm I'm excited about that. And I know you have some things going on at Spring One. I do,
1: but that, that can wait. I have an what? announcement to make. Look okay. At this Thomas, one of our regulars, one of the one of the core oh, members nice. of this community, finishes Spring Academy today and got their Spring Professional Certificate. That's great. I think that is a great opportunity for us to maybe bring Thomas on the show. Yeah. Have him kind of talk about his experience with the Spring Academy. That would be yeah, wonderful. that'd be great. Thomas, hey. Well done yeah no, well done. Thomas I, I, I
0: just watched Thomas's recording from I believe spring i o um and that was like his first talk ever. Uh, I was really impressed with that. so awesome Jeez. job, Thomas.
1: I, yeah, I'm very, very proud, very proud. He's wonderful. and I got to meet him in person. That's awesome. yes, so wonderful congratulations thomas spring dot academy definitely worth it. Thank you for a spin and let us know cool. It's only been up. Spring Academy started this year, right? Yep. Started at the beginning of the year, so it hasn't been around for that long. So, I think Thomas is a good example of it. it doesn't? It's not one of those things where it takes you a year to to study and, and get your certificate. Uh, the Spring Academy works. Get it done. Take it for a spin. Yes. <laughs> Lots of high fives and congratulations all the way around. Yeah. Hello.
0: All right. What do you got going on at Spring One? I know you have some things.
1: Uh, I think I'm doing the, uh, 15 factors on Kubernetes. Nice. Uh, and I think I'm actually doing it multiple times. I'm going to kind of look at it from two different angles. I think I'm doing it on the the spring one track and I'm also, there it is. I'm also going to deliver it. Oh, wait. And scaling your spring boot app to zero. See, I should probably read the agenda. Yeah. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Uh, so we'll talk about a little bit about that. Uh, I think next week. Yes. Uh, Some of the stuff scaling to zero. Uh, cool. For those of you that haven't been around, I'm a big fan of running on minimal infrastructure, cleaning up behind yourself, keeping that cloud spend as small as possible, and running on Raspberry Pis.
0: Cool. All right. So that is spring one. You can check out the agenda, register for it now. Um, August 21st coming up pretty quick, man. We're a little bit two months, a little two, a little over two months out. Um, again, we are going to try to plan some things for spring one, maybe a live session of spring office hours. We're going to do a 5k on the strip somewhere. Uh, so we're working on those things where we also might, uh, have some, Deshaun and I might be doing some things that we can't talk about yet, but we'll see. Um we have some exciting things planned for spring one. I'm excited. Register now. It's gonna be special.
1: <laughs> it like is. I can I can say that. Go, especially if you're a part of this community. Uh, you'll be well connected to all the secret stuff that we're doing. Uh, but go. It'll be fun. We're gonna have a good cool. time.
0: All right. Next up, we'd like to take a look at calendar.spring.io. This is your place to kind of find out what's happening as far as releases go in the Spring community uh, today. As we're recording this, it is June thirteenth, two thousand twenty-three. We are looking at this calendar. Deshaun, I know you've done a little homework on the releases yeah. here. Do you want to talk through some things that yeah. kind of stuck out to you?
1: So the the, one of the things about Office Hours is, is we want to do a little bit of the work for you. So since May 22nd, there's, I'm going back about these releases. Uh, SpringShell 3.1.0 came out, and it was really just bug fixes. I had a bug uh, or an issue that I had created, and I found out, hey, this issue is not going to be in this release. It's going to be in the 3.1.1 release, and that uh, that's going to be due on uh, June 22nd. But this whole idea, I've been, been talking with a lot of customers around uh, the value of getting support on spring, right? The end of life for 2.7 is coming up in November. If I had commercial support, then my issue that I raised against SpringShell 3.0, that would have made it into the release. It would have been prioritized into that SpringShell 3.1.0 release. And now it, since I don't have commercial support, now it's it's a lower priority item, but it just, it's still going to come. It's just, it's got that lower priority. And that's a question that I've had a lot of times over the past few weeks. Um, also, R2DBC for Microsoft SQL Server, it 1.0.1 release came out. Just new stuff. Spring Cloud Function 4.0.3 was released. And that looks like that was the last component of the Spring Cloud release 2022.0.3. Uh, and there was some breaking changes. So if you were coming from Spring Cloud release 2021.x into 2022, there are some breaking changes. Some things got deprecated mad thing. So you might want to take a look at those release notes before you make that move. Um, But in that Spring Cloud release, there's lots of releases. Spring Cloud Gateway, Spring Cloud Contract, Spring Cloud Config, Spring Cloud Kubernetes, Spring Cloud Task. This is the release train for all those products. One of the questions we had last week was around those common libraries. Spring Cloud Commons 4.0.3 is out there and that's something that you might want to take a look at for a good example of what kind of things could live or should live in a common library. I've done that a lot over the years looked at Spring projects to see how they were set up and how I might want to release my own internal libraries. Spring Cloud Stream, Spring Cloud Build, Spring Cloud Starter Build, Spring Cloud Netflix, all included in that Spring Cloud release. One of the other things that came out was Spring Integration to AWS 3.0. So this is the first v3 release. There is a big changelog. Uh, I won't jump into it, but there's a lot of things that got released. Uh, there was a 2.5 release, 2.5. Three or four, it was released a few weeks ago. So this is exciting. Integrating directly with the AWS services. Spring juice. This is one that we both saw. That was kind of interesting. Spring Juice. Juice, for those of you that don't know, is also an in, inversion of control uh container. And I actually had some experience running Spring and Juice in the same artifact or, or application, capital A application. So this is a toolset for using Spring with Juice and for using Juice with Spring. Uh, But I've lived this. I thought it was crazy that we had these, both of these IOCs uh, in the same project. But this release is, it's out there and it's just bug fixes. But yeah, that's a project that I honestly didn't know existed. I don't recommend adding Juice to your Spring project or Spring to your Juice project. This is one of those things, if it's already there, here's a a toolset that's going to help. Uh, context propagation, this is a big topic. We've mentioned this uh, with regard to GraphQL uh, in the last few weeks. There's lots of updates. The big thing that I I got away from this is the better observability, getting the observability to propagate through things like GraphQL when you are uh, aggregating backend services. So w- after that release came out, then we have a bunch of observability releases around micrometer. Micrometer 1.10.8 specifically calls out its upgrade to the context propagation 1.0.3. So tons of new releases. What I was trying to do is take, there's nothing other, there's no other like breaking changes in these things uh, except for the Spring Cloud release. If you were coming from the 2021 release, up uh, those are the only breaking changes I saw. So grab them. If you're using any of those projects that we mentioned, I would love to hear, throw it in the chat, let us know. And that's gonna help us decide, hey, should we talk more about these releases or not? That's all I've got from the calendar.
0: Cool. Something sticks out for me on tomorrow. Spring Framework 6.1.0 milestone one. Uh, So that is dropping tomorrow. And uh, there is a bunch of stuff closed in here. We're going to talk about virtual threads later, but compatibility with virtual threads, OpenJDK's project Loom uh, with JVM checkpoint restore. Um, So there's a lot. That is going to go into 6.1. It's going to be an exciting release. Again, 3. Spring Boot 3.2 will be built on Spring Framework 6.1. So seeing a milestone there, uh, we should see a release candidate later this year post JDK 21, which is September. So uh, exciting times, as you said earlier, to be a Spring developer.
1: I'm going to put a, a, a little note on some of these questions. Uh, yep. We'll get back to them later. But yeah, definitely ask your questions in the chat.
0: All right. Um, some other things I wanted to talk about with Around the Web. So these are there's things that I found, uh, whether it was new. Uh, mostly, I find them through Twitter or just kind of coming across these these news items. But I thought they would be good things to kind of talk about really quickly. Uh, so Gravium had a release stream today in which they kind of announced their new... Um, release. And there are some highlights in here for me. So first off, if you haven't seen the GraalVM website in a while, there's been an update here and it really looks nice. There's a whole bunch of things going on. Here's an announcement here. There's This is now the Oracle GraalVM. So before it was kind of GraalVM, now it is actually the Oracle GraalVM. And Oracle GraalVM is available for JDK 17 and JDK 20. Free for use in both development and production. If you want to, you could um, check out the uh, announcement at crawlvm.org. You can also download the new binaries. So if you go in here, there's a nice downloader. You can say, hey, I want to do Java 17 for macOS. I can download that. Uh, Some highlights of the new release, performance improvements across the board, whether it comes to startup time, memory consumption, you now have the option of picking a new garbage collector. Um, Native image is now included in the binary, so no longer do you have to go out and install that. So that's really exciting, uh, just making everything so much easier. And then they'll be working on, you know, as this got shipped out the door, they're already working on first class support for things like Project Loom and JDK 21 for the next version. So I was excited to see uh, some of these features drop today. Um, I know you're a big Growl VM fan, Deshaun. Anything stick out for you there? <laughs>
1: uh, I, I actually love Growl VM, I use it a lot. Uh, I just ran the, I like to use SDK man as well. Uh, and I ran a bunch of SDK updates just now to see yeah. how long is it going to take before I get it into my SDK, man. So <laughs> I'll I'll stay tuned for, for
0: I'm sure time. it'll be there pretty quick. It, it usually hits pretty yeah, quick. So it usually does. Yeah. Quick. So I will leave a link to the stream uh, if you want to watch that replay. Uh, it was really great to kind of see them all talking. Uh, they were all really excited about this release and rightfully so. So I'll leave a link to that uh, stream in the show notes. Um, The next thing I wanted to talk about was this article I came across called Spring Cloud Kubernetes with Spring Boot 3. Um, And this is a really good introduction if you are like a lot of us, uh, not Deshaun included, I'm including me in this, um, who work in Spring Boot. um, So maybe you're new to Spring Boot 3, but uh, you, you use Spring Boot. Uh, You've heard of Spring Cloud, you've heard of Kubernetes, but oh my God, how do all these like puzzle pieces fit together? Uh, I thought this was a really good introduction. And here it says the main goal of this article is to update you with the latest version of Spring Cloud Kubernetes project um, and really just kind of talking about how to put all of these pieces together. So uh, I'm going to leave a link to this article in the show notes as well. Last but not least, I have this uh, Twitter thread that I found from Alex Yu on ByteByte. Uh, Byte. So they have ByteByte Byte as this like architecture YouTube channel, and they talk about different, uh, you know, everything architecture, and it's not just Spring related. It's really kind of everything related. And he has this really good breakdown of Netflix's overall architecture. I'm not going to read everything here, but this jumps into like, hey. On the mobile and website, this is what they're using on the front end, on the back end, and just some highlights for me are on the front end. You know, communication wise, they're using a lot of GraphQL. They use uh, a whole bunch of like federated GraphQL um, uh, APIs there. They rely heavily on Zool, Eureka, Spring Boot, Spring Framework, and others. Um, yeah, and there's a really good um, kind of diagram here, uh, the overall arch- architecture of Netflix. So if you ever thought of something as massive as Netflix, what does that architecture look like? Um, this was a really good kind of intro and a diagram. And you can get a um, free, uh, free system design PDF, 158 pages by signing up for their newsletter. So Bye Bye Go pretty cool if you've never seen
1: them. A uh, quick peruse of that, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a slightly different way of looking at Netflix uh, from what we saw from Paul Baker on the Golden Path, the spring one. So yeah, that looks like a really good supplement to what we saw with that presentation.
0: Yeah. So if you haven't seen that, um, uh, go check that out, that recording as well. We'll see if we can get that in the show notes because it features more of Deshaun, and that's what we're here to do, is give you more Deshaun. <laughs> Um cool. So that's really ha- that's really all I had as the kind of around the web. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about?
1: You know what? I do. There's there's cool. a video uh, I posted it on on Twitter, but there's a video that is about it, it's bone and resilience. So it kind of goes outside of spring a little bit running things in production. What does it mean to be resilient? And it clarified for me the difference between resilience and reliability, and or not clarified, but it it changed the way I'm going to be using those terms going forward. Uh, I got a a really good tip from Andrew Clay Schaefer. There you go. That's it. Thank you. That's That's the video. This DevOps Day Chicago 2020. Uh, He's a doctor, and the way he describes resilience, he describes it using this metaphor or archetype uh, of bones. Your bones are constantly being torn down and rebuilt. And if you break a bone, uh, then it gets extra attention based on the signals that it gets. And you kind of map that. I can map that to your infrastructure, your Kubernetes cluster. Like, are things working the way that they're supposed to? Tear them down, stand them back up. That's resilience. That practice of being able to do things constantly all the time.
0: That's awesome. How'd you how'd you end up coming across that? That's something from that?
1: I, I got or? that from Andrew Clay Schaefer. I got nice lucky I get to hang out with him every once in a while. And That's awesome. we were just having a regular conversation. And he's like, you know what? <laughs> you need to you need to go find this video. And I was like, you know what? I thought about it for days <laughs> uh, and I couldn't find it. I, I searched, I didn't remember the name that he had he had added. But I yeah, got a note and he hooked me up and it was worth awesome. it. I watched it actually twice. I watched it once, kind of let it, you know, wash over me. Uh, And then I put it back in and I went for a a run and listened to it again. Nice. It's it's one of those. It it really has changed the way I'm going to be using the words that I use.
0: That's awesome. Cool. I'll have to check it out. All right. Um, Okay. With that, I think we can move on to our main topic for today. Let's do it. um, Which is virtual threads. So for the folks joining us on a live stream here, I'm going to share a little something. If you are on the podcast, don't worry. We're going to do our best to explain to you what I'm sharing just because I wanted to include it as talking points uh, so we make sure that we don't miss anything today. So we're talking about Project Loom, virtual threads. Um, I think before we kind of kick this this topic off. Um, oh, I am not sharing my screen, am I? Let's see what's going you on. You are, but right? it's Twitter. Yeah, I don't know why. Let's fix that. Sorry, I just want to make sure that the folks that are here do get the whole experience. So let me reshare. Sharing our screen, sharing a window. Let's share that one. Okay, so I'm sharing uh, some slides. Again, I gave a presentation on um, Spring Boot three and beyond last week. We'll be doing this again next week at KCDC. Been talking a lot about virtual, you know, virtual threads is a hot topic, and it's not. It's not a spring. It's not just a spring thing. It's a JDK thing, right? And so I figured before we talk about kind of what virtual threads are, Sean, maybe we could talk about just multi, you know just threads in general in Java. So um, Java, if you don't know, is multi-threaded by default, um, partial you know mostly in thanks to a class Java.lang.Thread. If you don't know, this is this class is really an abstraction over operating system threads. So your OS has operating system threads. This is how it kind of uh, schedules and handles work within the OS. So really every thread in Java is essentially a wrapper over an OS thread. Uh, you You often hear these referred to as kind of platform threads as well. Platform threads are expensive. They take a lot of memory. They take a lot of time to create and destroy. So. So that that's where I kind of want to start the conversation. Anything you want to add to that as far as just what threads are in general in Java?
1: No, I think that that covers it. You know, okay. um, the thread idea I think is a a concept that most people understand. And yeah, we had this abstraction around the system threads, and and now we're going to keep it inside of the JVM. So when we add a new thread. We're not going to see a new thread when we do PSEF on our system.
0: Yep. Okay, so with that kind of backstory, let's talk about why we hear the words like Project Loom, virtual threads, what are these things? So it's important to understand that Project Loom is not just virtual threads. Project Loom is kind of a collection of uh, JEPs. We'll talk about JEPs in a second. But if you go to the Wiki for Project Loom, it says, Project Loom is intended to explore, incubate, and deliver Java VM features and APIs built on top of them for the purpose of supporting easy-to-use, high-throughput, lightweight concurrency and a new programming model on the Java platform. So so Project Loom is this collection, this mission uh, to deliver these easy-to-use, high-throughput, lightweight concurrency apps, right? Project Loom is made up of three JEPs right now. I have these three JEPs on screen. It could be more, um, but these are the ones I'm going to highlight. So JEP is a Java enhancement proposal. This is how new features get into the JDK. Uh, JEP 4.25 is about virtual threads, uh, which we'll talk about. JEP 4.28 is structured concurrency. Um, both of which have been available as a preview since JDK 19. And then uh, JEP 429, which is scoped values, and this was integrated into JDK 20. Uh, so I'll leave some links to those uh, JEPs in the show notes. They're, these What I love about these JEPs, as they get worked on, they, they get very detailed. So if you're really interested in understanding the crux of things, like the the details, the motivation behind this feature, read through here, Um, these are really great. So that's Project Loom. Project Loom is made up of these uh, different JEPs. And then Virtual Threads, as Deshaun said, is we're kind of moving away from that abstraction over uh, the OS uh, thread. So Virtual Threads, again, has been there as a preview since JDK 19. This means if you're writing apps in uh, Java, 19 or above, you can use it, but it is a preview feature. So you need to use the dash dash enable dash preview. This has been finalized for JDK 21. So we know this is coming in September of 2023 uh, with JDK 21. The important thing is it's no longer linked to an OS thread. So a virtual thread is going to be a lightweight throwaway thread that uh, is tied to kind of the Java thread but is not tied to the operating system thread. Some important things to note is they use the heap for the stack. Uh, So this has potential implications for garbage collection. They have their own scheduler and they're created for a task and then just allowed to terminate. Like They can just go away. They're lightweight, they're throwaway. And you don't per, you don't want to pool virtual threads. These are not meant to be pooled because we no longer need to do that. These are lightweight. we could throw them away, get rid of them, do a task, goodbye. And again, not tied to an operating system thread, which is a resource, you know there is only a, a finite number of resources when we talk about OS threads. So we're no longer running into like are we you know taking up the entire system? So that's virtual threads. Uh, anything you want to kind of add on top of that?
1: That uh, that last part where the finite resources available to the operating system, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure many of us have run into that where, hey, I, did, I didn't have enough threads in order to do the things I needed to do. Yep. So this, there's, again, we're always faced with these trade-offs and this is the, the trade-off. We're going to make that, trade for these virtual threads and you brought up the the changes to garbage collection if Mm -hmm. i'm creating a bunch of virtual threads how are those going to get cleaned up and the implications it's going to have on the heap and how garbage collection behaves oh we've also talked about or i've I've had this conversation several times garbage collection is one of those things that it's not one size fits all Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of options and you should take it for a spin Take the other option for a spin because garbage collection that works on application A might not be the best choice for application B, C, or D.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. I think for me, I don't know about you, but for me, garbage collection has been one of those like black box magic voodoo things that happen. And somehow the engineers that work on this keep making it better and better. I don't really understand it and I don't understand how that keeps getting just really, really good. Um, so maybe that's something we can explore in the future. But I, in honestly, my head,
1: it, I put it in the same box as the AOT processing. Yeah. There's you have your application, it's, it's running in production. Yeah. It may or may not get a better performance with a different garbage collector. Mm-hmm. You know, And it really depends if it's just one app. Okay, cool. But if you got, Dozens or thousands of these apps that have, uh, let's say, a four gig uh, container. And sometimes, and I've, I've had this case where just changing the garbage collection allows you to change the size of container that you're deploying. Yeah, It depends on the workload. Same with AOD processing. You might get massive benefits by delivering a container that is optimized for that operating system and architecture. But again, you have to try it. There's no like guess. I can't tell you which ones are going to work and which ones aren't. Try it. And it's worth taking it for a spin and trying something else. Revisiting your assumptions.
0: Yep. Yep. Okay. So I want to expand a little bit on your. um, You started talking about, you know, let's talk about it in the context. So that's the virtual threads in the context of the JDK. Like, what's a thread? What's a virtual thread? Why do we care as like Spring developers? And I think that just to kind of expand on your point of how do like thread per request models work, um, I think it's 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 an important thing to understand. So when it comes to thread per request models in the context of say a Spring MVC application. It's important to understand where virtual threads are going are gonna to help us as Spring developers. So let's say we build this application and it's written in Java and Spring and we're using Spring MVC. And we're performing some things that are known as blocking operations. And what is a blocking operation? When I talk to, say, a database, uh, a thread is being used. We are talking to a database. That thread is going to be in use until that operation, that task, has been completed. Um, there th- That is a blocking operation. So there are other blocking operations like, hey, I'm talking to uh, input-output stream. I'm, I'm talking to another service via HTTP. I'm communicating with some kind of message broker, say through JMS. Those are all things that are blocking in our applications, which means we can't do something else on that thread until that operation has completed. right? And this is what Deshawn was saying before is, the way that works is when a request comes in, a thread is handling that request on J- in Java, right? And now that we know that that is just an abstraction over the operating system thread, really the operating system thread is now blocked because of that blocking operation that's happening. And again, there's a maximum number of concurrent threads that are allowed, right? So when the number of maximum threads has been reached, each subsequent request will need to wait for a thread to be released to fulfill that request. So if you've ever been on a server that can take a whole bunch of traffic, but then you pile a whole bunch more traffic on it and it just falls over, that's one of the reasons, right? Throughput when it can't be handled. Um, so that's really what we're talking about when it comes to thread per request model. Net, when we move to, well, and, I, and I'll back up a little. So, that's, that's how this exists today, right? This is how we're working with. So we ha- what happens in today's kind of architecture to solve for this problem? We have a couple of ways that we can solve for it, right? One is hardware. You can address it by adding more hardware. You can scale vertically, adding more memory, adding more CPU. You can scale horizontally by adding more servers. You can also solve this problem by writing non-blocking software. And so there's some pros and cons to that. But when it comes to virtual threads, we don't need to, I mean, those are, scalability is still going to be a concern, right? But in this particular scenario, when we're talking about a Spring MVC app that talks to blocking operations, no longer are we going to be tying up operating system threads. A virtual thread is going to say, oh, I need to do a task. I'm going to go do it. I'm going to be done. Throw it away. Lightweight, fast. We're not blocking an OS thread. So we get this really large pool and uh, of, of virtual threads instead of this finite resource of platform-to-OS threads. What I'm really excited about is we can take advantage of this with little to no code changes on your end. So we should see some scalability improvements within your own applications with little to no code changes.
1: There's another, uh, you know, slice here that I'm, I'm thinking about right now is that, hey, when I containerize my my Java workloads, and I, hey, I want to run 10 different containers on this node, on this host, um, those, again, operating system threads, like there's only so much that my processor can do. And this way, with this virtual thread, this is going to actually change that noisy neighbor issue a little bit, Mm-hmm. It's going to isolate a little bit. So the noisy neighbor problem is going to go away in some cases. And I'm just thinking out loud, but I'm expecting yep. that this is going to be another area where we're going to find some performance improvements. So yep. that idea right there, that's something that I'm excited to explore as I have now just deployed a bunch of Kubernetes clusters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so again, this is going to be
0: really great in scenarios for like Spring MVC apps that do that perform blocking operations. Uh, if you're using um, some type of messaging or cron schedule job where, hey, do this every day, that probably is going to talk to a database or some input output stream. So those are the types of apps that are going to benefit from it. If you're not using MVC, if you're not blocking, if it's purely comp- computational, you're not going to see any benefit. You can still use them, but probably won't see a whole ton of benefits. So the nice thing about this is you can start doing this today. Again, it's a preview feature in 19 and 20. We don't expect a whole lot in performance changes. Like obviously some things might change by 21, but most of what is there is going to be how it's going to work. Right? So, so you can start test driving this today. Now, this is available, um, so when we talk about like where are we at with this, um, and I want to talk about Loom in a second, but where are we at with this? Spring Framework 6 has basic uh, compatibility, so as a preview, you can be used with virtual thread setup. I have a Tomcat uh, virtual thread HTTP example on uh, my YouTube channel on how to like quickly, quickly create a new bean and use virtual threads in your Spring MVC apps. Going forward, you know, hopefully, we're going to have um, first-class support in Spring Framework 6.1, Spring Boot 3.2. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, the other thing I want to bring up is we got a question here, and I knew we would get this, so I wanted to... We always it. do. Uh, yep. Where is... Yeah, that was the one. one. All right. The first one. So I got a question here. Do you guys think that Project Loom will kill the reactive paradigm? So as I said, there are some ways to um, let me just grab my thing. We we talked about the thread pool re- thread per request model today, and some ways to um, basically scale your applications. One of which is through reactive programming, right? Instead of performing these blocking operations, reactive programming gives you the ability to say, "Go do this. I'm going to go away and and release that thread." let me tell me when you're done with it and then we can handle the the response right so that's that's one thing that reactive programming does does does, does this kill um that no because there are other things that the ra- reactive programming model does um, especially when it comes to spring webflux when you're working on something like stream based processing and you're working with backpressure this is something that you'll still want to reach for spring webflux for Also, one of the JEPs that we talked about earlier was structured concurrency. That is not going to be in JDK 21. This is something that Spring Web Flux also addresses. So Spring Web Flux still very much has a place in this story. Now, if you are going forward and Project Loom works for you, if all you reach for reactive programming for is to improve scalability of your web applications, then maybe this is something that you can look at, and this is something you can start kicking the tires on. So, does it replace that one thing that you reached for reactive programming for? Maybe. Does it replace everything? No, and it just there are some pros and cons to to each. Probably, um, it just provides a different scalability mechanism, um, but I would still say that that there's a place for Web Flux. So that's that's kind of my thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, if you're already doing reactive, you're probably not going to see a whole lot of benefit by, by undoing it. Um, you know, we talked about the R2-DBC driver for MSSQL. Um, it's a reactive driver, right? If you've got blocking drivers, then there are there are differences. There are trade-offs that you're going to make in these different paradigms. And solitary Turian actually, I think, gave a really good answer. There are categories of applications which benefit from the reactive programming model. I don't think it will die with the introduction of virtual threads.
0: Yeah, great, great answer.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it's, there's just different paradigms.
0: Yep. So we got another question here. Uh, so we expect Tomcat and Spring Boot embedded Tomcat to switch to virtual threads internally in future div, uh, versions. So I don't know that switch completely. What I so so what what you have to do today, and again, I did a video on this. If you want to um, take advantage of virtual threads in a Spring MVC app, you need to define a new bean that basically tells Tomcat under the hood to now use the virtual thread executor, right? So to me, that seems like more of a configuration thing. So I don't know what the answer to this is. Uh, somebody on the Spring team uh, may be able to jump in and say so, and I don't know that they know yet. But um, as this is, this would to me be through a configuration. So I would go into my Spring MVC app and I would configure and say, "Hey, I want to use virtual threads," which would in turn, underneath the hood, uh, tell Tomcat or or whatever you know server container you're using, "Hey, go ahead and switch to the the virtual thread based executor." Um, so I expect it to be. Like I said, little to no code changes on your end, and then probably just a configuration change in your MVCF to say take advantage of virtual threads. Um, so, a, a little comment from Thomas here Reactive makes debugging harder. <laughs> I didn't hear much good arguments for reactive yet. You didn't, but I think we pointed them out. Uh, again, if you're doing streams based processing, large amounts of data, Working with back pressure. Back pressure. Uh, this is going to help out a lot. Still. Um.
1: Uh, I was searching, trying to find. I again, I don't know exactly. In my my head, I feel like the Tomcat is going to switch to using virtual threads by default. Oh wait. Here, we go. Ambu says. Tomcat ten point one point ten added support for virtual threads. I think it'll be the default uh, in some upcoming version, but I don't know that for sure. But yeah, you can. So
0: I would have to, uh, you know. Sometimes when I watch these talks, too, I they're by very smart people. When I watch talks, I consume what I can can consume, and I can't consume everything at once. Mark Thomas, who is a committer on the Apache Tomcat project, did a talk at Spring I/O. And that's where I've learned a lot of my stuff. You know, my my knowledge from was Mark Thomas. Yep. Uh, his his talk at Spring I O. you can watch it on YouTube. I would go back and watch that. He probably mentions something along those lines. Um, but like I said, I only could take what I got um, in that first two passes, I think, that I've watched it. So uh, check out his talk, and maybe we can learn a little bit more about that there. So cool. Yeah. Um, that's exciting. I think uh, there, there probably is something else to mention. Um, so when we talk about virtual threads, like what what has changed in the in the Spring framework, what what might have to change in your code? Um, again, Mark does a really great job of explaining that. So maybe go watch his talk on this. But there there are some situations that you might run into where some code might have to change. Um, uh, so so. So that's something just to think of, but in most cases, it should be little to no code changes, which makes this for me a win-win, and I'm excited about that.
1: Absolutely. So, did and you want to do a demo today?
0: No, I don't think so. Okay. And again, because we're in the because we're in the podcast world now, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. But if we want to uh, do something, maybe on um, some on a live stream somewhere else um, that's not the podcast, yeah. And yeah, I'd be happy to do that.
1: Well, in that case, let me go back to some of these other questions that were asked. All right. Stig says, I'm trying to create a POC on policy-based access management using Open Policy Agent. I've created a simple Spring API and trying to have Spring Security working with OPA. Have you tried this previously? I have not. I, I believe know. I do have an example of... Using Open Policy Agent with a Spring Boot app using Spring Security, and I think I will have to pull that up. I know that we have one somewhere in one of the guides. So Stig, uh, I will try to find that, and I will I'll push that out onto Twitter. Uh, I'll ask my my friends, and we'll we'll get you one of those. Good question. Open Policy Agent. It when I first heard about Open Policy Agent, it was uh it was it was new, and exciting. And I was running into a lot of uh, corner cases immediately, but now it seems to have some legs. I think it's gonna be around for a little while. Good question. Uh, Alexander says, hey guys, I'm doing a POC on spring reactor. We have a thread that does some processing. We want to decouple that by using reactor sinks and flux. All of that works fine, but exceptions are causing issues. That's the
0: very definition of an exception.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If in the middle of the stream processing, there is a failure, the whole processing stops on error continue and other options do not work. Any ideas? Alexander, I think this is one where I'm going to need a little more. I have not run into that type of problem. It seems like our control loop is capturing the errors where you don't want it to. You want to kind of continue error on error and continue, uh, but it's stopping in that case. Um, I've not run right into that. So, Alexander, we've we've jumped on streams before. We've jumped on uh, Zoom before. I think I might ask you to do the same thing as uh, either give me an example repo or reach out and we'll do a Zoom and we'll jump into it. Not, I, I don't have all the answers. I've not run right into this, but maybe we can talk through it and figure it out. I think those were those are all the ones that I had cool. start. Uh, we, right. we got back to Sandro's, and look at this. Yes, we can definitely pair up. Wonderful,
0: awesome. Well, if we have no other questions, I think we're coming up against the hour, anyways. Um, yeah. We'll kind of call it there. Um, if you have questions, you can always join us on the live stream, as everyone here did today, and ask your questions. Uh, Every Tuesday at 3.30 Eastern time uh, on the Spring Developer Channel, with exceptions on travel weeks, like next week, we are going to be traveling. So we're probably going to schedule a stream. If I think, Deshaun, you've already scheduled one for next Monday, Um, which now that I think about it. I
1: think I did it for next Tuesday, and I think I need to fix that.
0: And I think we need to fix that anyway, because next Monday is a holiday here at VMware, June So we uh, may need, we'll talk about it. Um, So we have another great uh, episode coming up on Scaling to Zero. I'm excited about that one. I'm excited about KCDC. um, Also, If you want to go ahead and check out the archives, uh, go ahead and head over to springofficehours.io. You can ask your questions there. If you can't join us on a live stream, that's a great place to ask a question. We'll see if we can't get to those during a live broadcast. And this is a place where you can check out the past archives. Um, So with that, I think we will go ahead and call it. Deshaun, I hope you have a great day. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Oh, you got one more.
1: One last thing. No, one
0: last two. thing. Oh, one last thing. You're right. Um, kind of a little segment for us to be able to kind of add just one more thing. Uh, I'm so I, funny enough, I was telling some people about this last week. I got a message on Twitter that uh, asked me if I quit YouTube. This is because I had not posted a video in two weeks. So apparently, two weeks is the threshold. That you guys have, uh, we start to worry. Me. We just worry
1: about you. We care. Okay.
0: Oh, it was you. Was it? A, was it <laughs> you anonymous, anonymously? <laughs> so I'm gonna. I'm just gonna uh, go ahead and pimp my YouTube channel. Um, YouTube.com/slash/at Dan Vega. I put up a new video this week. I have another one coming out later this week. So go ahead and subscribe to the channel if you got
1: YouTube.com. Deshaun At Deshaun, D-A-S-H-A-U-N. I have a YouTube channel as well. Uh, I'm only about 1,000 times smaller viewership than Dan, uh, but I'm, you know, baby steps, baby steps, somewhere. Uh, but solitary Turian asked this question. Does anybody know if project Laden will be standardizing native image images, building native images like all VM does, or some other ways which JVM will be at the bottom of it. So you should really join in next week. I'm going to talk about scaling to zero and I will talk about the differences of native images and things like crack the check or consolidated restore at checkpoint. There you go. uh, Which does have the JVM at the bottom of it. And the whole idea of project laden kind of gives you this balance between what you want to do, balance the, the, the just in time versus the AOT. And instead of just having one or the other, you can kind of choose where you want to be. So that's, I think the, the goal, the best I know of it, but yeah, you should definitely tune in next week.
0: Great. Tune in next week. Also, can't wait to see some of you next week. I know Jitter Ted, our friend Ted will be in Kansas City. Can't wait to see some of you. Deshaun, uh, thanks again as always. And thank you for everyone for showing up to the live stream. And we will see you in the next one. Thanks. Later.